0: Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development. And each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. Good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, whilst Biden's climate change targets have stolen the headlines recently, Minister Tian's received some special treatment from his UK counterpart this week around the free trade agreement negotiations. Did this unique approach take you by surprise?
1: Oh, yes and no, Craig. I mean, putting somebody on the uncomfortable chair and semi-torturing them into uh, conceding to whatever you want to do, I suppose, has a history uh, in the the British psyche. So, uh, you know, the naughty room or the naughty seat, you know, the, all that sort of thing. So maybe that's the British way of doing things.
0: Well, I'll never call you inexperienced, experienced, Matthew. Uh, in previous podcasts, we've covered the sheer size of the fiscal expansionary policies in place, not only in Australia, of course, but also globally in response to the economic impacts of COVID. We haven't, however, covered household and business debt here on QPod. So with rates so low, coupled with our national obsession with housing, are we a bit at risk of a debt blowout?
1: Look, Craig, before I get into the the details of that question, I just want to say one thing, actually, and that is I think economists and policymakers have have done the wrong thing in the way that we've communicated about debt. We've made it seem, at least up until pre-COVID, that um, debt was a problem, that debt in itself is a problem. And if you think about, you know, when you're growing up, you're sort of taught, you know, you shouldn't be in debt, um, that debt's something that is a negative. But in reality, it's not the Debt itself, that's a negative. It's the ability for you to be able to service the debt. That's that is the problem. And the problem arises if you can't pay off your debt, um, then it leads to you know bankruptcies. It leads to forced sales of assets. So that's really the question that we've got to answer, I think. And, and that's the ability to pay to the debt. Debt for Australia is a positive thing. It helps with our growth, Australia as a nation it was built on the ability of us to attract investment into the country and to, to take on debt. If we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have had an agriculture sector, we wouldn't have had a mining sector, and going forward, we're going to have to rely on international participation and international capital flows in order to fund the development of the renewable um, energy sector, which is going to be very important for our growth. So I just wanted to clarify with you, Craig, that it isn't I think it's not debt the problem, it's whether we can pay for it or not. And so coming to your question about that issue, it turns out, I think, that the balance sheets of both the household and of the um, the, the business sector uh, are really strong. And if anything, over COVID, they've improved debt payments, uh, debt repayments, I should say, are being made. Households are ahead of mortgage repayments, and it reflects both the prudent use of government income support schemes to build savings buffers and pay down debt, as well as strong income growth. So in short, household and business finances are in great shape.
0: Well, I've got a bone to pick with my economics teacher, Tom. We'll build off the back of the the sheep industry there, Matthew. But um, I mentioned earlier our love of property in Australia. And inflated property prices are, of course, a constant balancing act for the RBA. But yet, where is the RBA recently on property prices?
1: Well, at the moment, they're... they're very sanguine, you know, they're, they're not that concerned about uh, property price rises at the moment. There's a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, um, where they would be concerned if they saw that household debt to disposable income starting to surge. Uh, and in fact, um, that that ratio household debt to disposable incomes, come down in COVID. So it was sort of peaked at about 187%, uh, 180% debt to disposable income back in the second quarter of 2019 that's down to 180 percent now um, and the housing debt which is the major proportion of that um, household debt that the debt we hold in mortgages effectively as a share of disposable income that's down from 141 percent to 138 percent now whilst i said that debt isn't a problem what the rba is worried about is the serviceability of the debt um, so not only is the the debt level down which improves serviceability of the debt to some extent but also interest rates are much lower so the rba is being very um active in telling us that interest rates low interest rates are here to stay there in the minutes that was released this week of the last uh, rba meeting of uh, of the board uh they they uh, signaled that they still don't intend to raise interest rates until 2024 at the earliest so i think the the rba is comfortable with uh with house prices at the moment.
0: You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresight shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, I hear you in the terms of the serviceability, but as a Sydney sider, I'm seeing some pretty extreme property sales recently. These numbers seem particularly high as well. Shouldn't we be a little concerned even if the RBA isn't?
1: Well, you're certainly right, Craig. They're high by historical standards, and and I do think you know your point about Sydney. I think is important too, because it's not the same. I don't think in in Sydney and Melbourne as it is outside of Sydney and Melbourne. There are uh, you know the debt levels that you're seeing there, and the the uh, lack of affordability in the housing market is a different story to, for example, how it is up here in Brisbane or in Adelaide or Perth. But overall, if we look at the bigger picture and the national um, level. As I said, the, the actual level of debt, whilst high by historical standards, not the only story, and it's that capacity to service debts that's important. And what's happened is low interest rates have brought down that debt servicing requirement. Now I remember, Craig, many years ago, uh, back in the late '90s, um, paying 11% interest on my first home loan when, when I bought, the worst house in the worst street in the worst suburb, right? Great fundamentals. 11%. Uh, Now today, most people can secure a loan at sub 3%. uh, And that shows up in the debt servicing burden. So today, the um, the average mortgage interest bill, now this is average, this is not for a, a new entrant into the market, but the average mortgage interest bill for the average household is under 5% of disposable income. Now you need to go back to 1999 to see such a low debt servicing level. Um, if you go back then to 1999 though, what you see is... The housing debt to income ratio was six, was just 66%. That's half of its level today, but the mortgage rate was 7%. So there's that's the trade-off. So Matthew, then
0: it does beg the question, uh, is the bigger risk here interest rates returning or potentially a housing correction?
1: Well, uh, obviously uh, the, the, the market with high debt levels is, is, uh, you know, high interest rates or a surge in interest rates is is one of the major concerns that could unravel things. But as a positive, the other thing that uh, households have been doing during the COVID period is building large mortgage prepayment buffers. Uh, So around a quarter of all mortgages at the moment have prepayment buffers of more than two years, so that gives um, many households quite a long lead time to adjust their their finances to a higher interest rate. Now, half of all mortgages have a buffer of more than three months, and those um, that have less than one month buffer are largely investors and those on fixed rate mortgages, and they typically hold buffers, not in in, uh, deposits, but in in other investments. Only about 10% of borrowers have inadequate buffers that are uh, entrenched um, and uh, they share and that share of risky borrowers really has fallen a lot um, to about a third of what it was since last year. Now, bank, banks have also, commercial banks that is, have also stress tested the resilience of their mortgage loan book uh, to higher interest rates. And while loan defaults you know, would rise in the uh, event of uh, higher interest rates, they would not material materially impact uh, the bank's balance sheets. It certainly lead to a banking crisis and the banks point to low, low loan to value ratios and strong lending standards among the reasons for these outcomes.
0: Well, it allows them some time, Matthew, to sell the new cars that they're all buying. But let's <laughs> let's switch gears to the business sector. How are their finances holding up?
1: Well, again, uh, there's good news there. Firstly, business profitability is recovered. And just like the household sector, businesses have used that recovery um, in profitability and uh, the government support payments to build strong cash buffers. So at the end of last year, corporates had uh, the end of this year just passed, I should say, of 2020, not 2019. So basically the, the post sort of COVID pandemic period, corporates had enough cash and deposits to cover over five months of expenses. Where um, small business, on the other hand, still had pretty strong buffers, uh, well over two months, and that that's really almost double uh, the levels they had pre-COVID. Now, having said that, that gives them a buffer if um, things, uh, you know, interest rates and debt uh, levels start to rise. But some businesses within that still remain vulnerable uh, those are the ones that are heavily impacted um, by COVID industries such as arts recreation international tourism including accommodation and you know transport for example uh, and they will face challenges i think as uh, government support is is withdrawn so what the government really needs to do not to hollow out those important industries in terms of our long gro- run growth prospects the government needs targeted support get those industries through this period of COVID and don't allow them to go to the wall, don't hollow them out.
0: You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic position of our nation's household and corporate balance sheets. Matthew, it's actually a really positive and really interesting bit of information you shared there. I suppose the one lingering question I've got is the end of JobKeeper. And with that period of loan deferrals, what's the major risk of, uh, I suppose, a rash of business insolvency?
1: Yeah, well, Craig, the business insolvencies uh, dropped dramatically during COVID due to the moratorium on uh, direct liability for uh, uh, insolvent trading. Uh, While it's still running at about half of the pre-COVID levels, Uh, we're starting to see it tick up. Uh, But this is expected, uh, you know, and it's expected to rise further given the insolvency moratorium ended at the start of this year. Uh, But there are factors that I think will, you know, result in that rise in insolvencies. It's going to have to rise, Craig, back to, you know, the levels that we saw on average prior to COVID, which is, as I said, about double where we are now. But importantly, that unwind uh, has to be orderly. And there's a couple of reasons I think it'll be orderly. Firstly, businesses have had time to wind down operations, those businesses in trouble that aren't going to make it through COVID. They've had that time to wind down without entering into insolvency and uh, new regulatory arrangements also give businesses more options for debt restructuring. So while the insolvencies will rise, um, they're unlikely, I think, to exceed pre-pandemic levels which is important and also i think that it'll be a gradual unwind so it, hopefully it won't um, lead to you know s- severe bankruptcies for sales of assets and uh, those types of effects that can really undermine uh, financial stability
0: matthew that's a very rosy picture one that i wasn't necessarily expecting is there any blind spots for me
1: well craig the the picture i'm painting is uh, an on-average picture across the, uh, the the whole of Australia. And it includes people that uh, don't have mortgages, for example, uh, established in the housing market, and includes people that are, are just entering. I think where the real risk uh, lies is new entrants into the housing market, those households that are trying to get set, particularly in uh, Sydney and Melbourne. Now, when you look at those markets as a new entrant, uh, house prices as high as they are, if I'm buying an average um, house in terms of average price house in Sydney, getting an an average mortgage uh, on an average income, I will be devoting 40% of my income to pa- repaying my mortgage. That is really high, and that is a risk. Thank you so much for your insights
0: today. And debt can be a very powerful positive source in generating growth, as Matthew said. But debt without the capacity to pay is a recipe for bankruptcy, for sale of assets leading to a collapse in asset prices, a downward spiral for creditors, debtors, and the economy. Australian household and business indebtedness, however, has not surged during the COVID. And as Matthew highlighted, has actually improved. So with those low interest rates having reduced the debt servicing burden and strong cash cash buffers rather, make households and businesses less vulnerable to those rising interest rate potential. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QPod. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.